0: Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Sports Ball Podcast. First and foremost, congratulations are in order to the Los Angeles Rams, winners of Super Bowl 56. It didn't go the way I wanted, but you know what? It's all right. Because at the end of the day, I do believe that the Bengals should have won that football game. However, sacked seven times was Joe Burrow, and to be quite honest, that was probably the reason why they ended up losing that football game. But regardless, let's go ahead and talk about it. Let's talk about that first and foremost. Indeed, yes, on Sunday with all of the commercials and the camaraderie that came with it, the Super Bowl halftime show, which by the way, if I do say so myself for us 90s kids, was one of the best that we've seen in a while but let's go ahead and get started the los angeles rams won super bowl 56 23 to 20 against the cincinnati Bengals. matthew stafford cooper cup hooking up for one of the final drives and joe burrow had a chance to go ahead and keep the game alive try to at least send it into overtime but Here's the line right now for – or here's the line for Matthew Stafford. 26 of 40, 283 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, was sacked twice for a loss of 13 yards. Matthew Stafford had an okay game. I'm not going to say he was amazing, but he, he he got the job done. He did what he was supposed to, right? Cooper Cup, eight, eight receptions of 92 yards and both – touchdowns as well. When it comes to the defensive side of the football, you look at Aaron Donald. That's the guy who I'm going to focus on, Aaron Donald. Four total tackles, um, or team tackles, excuse me. Three solo tackles, two sacks, and two of them were tackles for loss. Hit the quarterback three different times. Now look over to Excuse me, Cincinnati side. Joe Burrow was 22 of 33. No more accurate than Matt Sapper was. 263 yards and a touchdown. But the kicker came when he was sacked seven times for a loss of 43 yards, which, by the way, is a Super Bowl record. It ties the Super Bowl record for most sacks in a Super Bowl. Joe Mixon. Ended up throwing a touchdown pass as well. And he also ran for 72 yards on the day. Jamar Chase, Bengals' leading receiver, or not leading receiver, but the big target, five receptions, 89 yards. T. Higgins, four touchdowns, or four receptions, 100 yards, two touchdowns, average 25 yards, a catch. You know it's it's crazy, right? If you didn't get a chance to watch this game, what a game it was! You want to talk about nail biter? I thought that the Bengals were going to pull it out and pull out the upset, but and and I'll, I'll I'll give it this: I know that they went ahead and missed the offensive pass interference call on Higgins on Ramsey, the face mask quote unquote, but. The head referee did say that he didn't see any um, head movement or anything like that. So they didn't throw the flag and that was the reasoning. So they kind of made up for it when uh, the linebacker for the Bengals, Logan Wilson, went ahead and kind of put his arm on or put his hands on Cooper Cup's hip and went ahead and had the... Ball knocked down. However, ticky-tack fouls are kind of what killed it. Because realistically, they went ahead and they swallowed their whistle pretty much the entire game. There were only three penalties in total through three quarters. And then they decided that in one of the most crucial spots that they were going to go ahead and start throwing flags. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with everything. But I do think that at the end of the day, this game was electrifying. And yes, The Rock did go ahead and give a pregame uh, little speech. But the thing is, is that I went ahead and I walked into this thinking that the Mangles were going to win this game. The, they, the big reason why they didn't was their offensive line. In the last play of the Bengals' drive, they ended up having a wide-open Jamar Chase down the field. Joe Burrow, if he had maybe two more seconds of time, would have been able to launch that ball downfield, would have had Jamar Chase, and he would have forced Matt Stafford to try and drive a beautiful full length of the field with like 40 seconds left and that's when real legends are made of but Aaron Donald managed to get to Joe Burrow excuse me and Joe Burrow had to go ahead and throw it away which he threw it away and yet almost completed a pass you remember like what happened with Jimmy Garoppolo a couple of weeks back when he just threw it up and it got picked well, he threw it in the vicinity of Pinion or Pirine, their running back, Pirine, excuse me, their running back, and he just didn't try to lay out for the ball, nothing. It was unfortunate. I thought that the Bengals played a good game. They did everything that they possibly could and then that last few that last drive by the Rams, they were unable to go ahead and make magic happen what's the bottom line and it's it's unfortunate it sucks but you know it is what it is at the end of the day look at the look at the attack right excuse me look at the attack rushing passing I mean the Rams went ahead and rushed the ball 23 times and threw it 41 you want to talk about balance that's not really balance where the Bengals went ahead and rushed it 20 times and threw the ball 34. Like what? <laughs> you know, it it it's just sucks that, you know, we go ahead and we look at this whole thing and we say, we got this, whatever. Well, when it came to first downs as well, the Rams went ahead and won the first down matchup by three. It was 18 to 15. You go ahead and you look at total plays. The Rams ran more plays. Total yards on offense, 313 to 305. Total drives, there were 13 apiece. I mean, yards per play, the Rams averaged 4.7. The Bengals averaged 5.0. Everything is pretty similar down the line, right? It's pretty similar until you get to passing. 270 for the... Excuse me, 270 for the Rams and... 226 for the Bengals. And on top of that, rushing wise, again, 43 to 79. I went ahead and I discussed that once already. But the turnovers, it was 2 to nothing. Matt Stafford turned the ball over twice. Now, nine times out of 10, that would go ahead and that would consist of guess what? You just lost the football game. You didn't play the cleaner game. But because of the offensive line, and there was something that I went ahead and heard, and I don't mean to call you out on this, and you know who you are. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to discuss this later on about Joe Burrow and who he is. But to say Joe Burrow was overrated, and I know that you weren't the only one. There were a few people that went ahead and also proceeded to say this on Twitter, that Joe Burrow was overrated. There was no way that he... Should have been in this predicament. We can now stop. Whatever. I can make the argument that Aaron Rodgers is overrated, especially in the postseason. But I can't make that argument for Joe Burrow just yet. The reason being is because Joe Burrow was the reason the Bengals got into the playoffs. Joe Burrow was the reason that they made it to a Super Bowl. His offensive line was doing everything that they possibly could in their power to go ahead and make sure that Burrow didn't get to that Super Bowl. And yet Joe put his head down, took the contact, and said, bring it on. I'm not afraid. So here's what's crazy, too, right? Joe Burrow was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL regular season at 51. 51 times. During the postseason, this also includes the Super Bowl. During the postseason, Joe Burrow was sacked 19 times in four games. 19 times in four games. Do the math here. The most sacked quarterback in the NFL. And he goes ahead and he leads you to a Super Bowl based off of, you know what? I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to do my job. On top of that, Joe Burrow looked like he got hurt pretty bad. Right? He looked like he got injured pretty rough. But if it's me, I'm not coming out of the Super Bowl. Not Not even in the slightest am I coming out of the Super Bowl. It is one of the biggest games of the year. I'm not going ahead and letting an injury dictate what happens with me. At the end of the day, the Rams won the Super Bowl because Cincinnati's offensive line couldn't hold up. Look at it like this. In the 22 dropbacks that Joe Burrow ended up having, seven times he was sacked. Nine other times he was hit by the defensive line. What? (laughs) You can't tell me that this wasn't on the O-line. They lost that game for the Bengals. At the end of the day. And it sucks. It sucks. Only managing to garner 50 yards of total offense, really. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? At the end of the day, congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams. A very well-deserved Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford, you finally got your ring. And speaking of Matthew Stafford, let's talk about him. Matthew Stafford, now a Super Bowl champion. He didn't win Super Bowl MVP, but he was a Super Bowl champion indeed. So how great is Matthew Stafford? What is Matthew Stafford's legacy? If he were to walk away from the game today, would Matthew Stafford be a Hall of Fame quarterback? Well... For that, we would really have to take a look at the entire picture, wouldn't we? You see, Matthew Stafford is somebody that I have nothing but the highest respect for. And I really think that Matthew Stafford is, by all intents and purposes, one of the best quarterbacks that I've seen play in a bad division, right? Rough quarterback, bad division, all that stuff. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at his history with Detroit. It's a lot to unravel, right? It's 12 seasons worth of Detroit. So he played 10 games in the 2009 season, ended up completing 201 passes on 377 attempts, 13 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. 2010, Played three games, 57 completions, 96 attempts, six touchdowns, one interception. He obviously got hurt back-to-back seasons. Then, finally went ahead and kicked it up in 2011. 16 games, played 421 completions, 663 attempts. He had 41 touchdowns and 16 interceptions. By far one of his best years. And the Detroit Lions went to the playoffs that year. And Got bounced in the first round. So, 2012 ceiling was set high for the Detroit Lions. 16 games played, 435 completions, 727 attempts, 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. 2013, 22 touch, 29 touchdowns, 19 interceptions on 371 of 634. 2014, 363 of 602, 22, and 12. Mind you, all of these, with the exception of the 2009-2010 season, he has had at least 4,000 passing yards. In 2011, he ended up having 5,038, by the way. So, excuse me, back in 2015, 383. 398 of 592, 32 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. 2016, 24 touchdowns, 10 interceptions on 388, 594. Literally, the list just goes on and on and on. Double digits, obviously, for touchdowns and double digits for interceptions, more or less. Then we get to LA. He goes to an actual team, (laughs) uh, to say the least. And Matt Stafford, 404 yards, or 404 attempts, 601, 404 completions on 601 attempts. Holy cow. 41 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, 4,886 passing yards in total, in total, which is great, right, it's absolutely great, look at the postseason numbers, the Lions made the playoffs back in 2011, 2014 and 2016, they never won a game after they went ahead and got to the playoffs, Stafford, In his first playoff game back in 2011, 28 of 43, 380 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. That number sounds oddly familiar. Hold on. And then he goes ahead in his only playoff game in 2014, 28 completions, 42 attempts, 323 yards, a touchdown, an interception. Detroit. In 2016, wasn't fun. 18 completions, 32 attempts, 205 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. And then with the whole Rams tenure, obviously he played four games, but 98 completions on 140 passing attempts, 1,188 yards, nine touchdowns, three interceptions. So let's look at that. Last stretch with Matthew Stafford, right? The last stretch that he had with their game. You go ahead and you look at Matt Stafford and his numbers and you look and you say, well, the guy played very well. I mean, look at this game. The numbers are eerily similar to 2011 Matt Stafford. 26 completions, 40 attempts, 283 yards, 3 touchdowns, two interceptions. Huh. Interesting. Matthew Stafford is a guy that is a natural born leader too, by the way. He went ahead and he did something that I never, I I talked about this last week. And if you haven't seen that video, go watch the video of Matt Stafford when his shoulder came out of his socket and he still came back in for the final game or for That game, and through the game-winning touchdown pass, he's one of the toughest dudes I've ever seen play the game of football. But the thing is, is that here's how we're going to approach this, right? How is Matthew Stafford going to handle pressure? How is he going to handle adversity? Well, we saw it. Matthew Stafford against Tampa Bay. He literally, with about... 30 seconds left, drove his team down the field and scored. Got them to where they needed to to win the game. And then against the Niners, got them to where they needed to to win the game. Against the Bengals, that last drive, Matthew Stafford got the Rams where they needed to to win the football game. He's an amazing comeback player. He plays very well from behind and that's because he's gone ahead and he's had to do it for so long in his career and if you ask me and Matthew Stafford's a Hall of Famer I'm going to say yeah. Matthew Stafford is a future Hall of Famer. I'm not going to say he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. If he were to go ahead and win another Super Bowl in LA maybe maybe you could make that argument. I think Matt Stafford is not a first ballot Hall of Famer. He is a future Hall of Famer though. But again, if you were to ask me, yes, 100%, there's no doubt about it in my mind that Matthew Stafford is a future Hall of Famer. Let's talk about the other quarterback in the Super Bowl, Joe Cool, Joe Burr, as I call him, Joey Drip Drip, Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengal quarterback, and in my opinion, should have been the MVP of the league. But Joe Burrow, this game, this game here, 22 of 33, 66.7 completion percentage, 263 yards in total passing, averaging eight a throw, One touchdown, but had a QBR of 39.7. It's unfortunate, and it sucks. Joe Burrow is a guy that you don't know if he's going to go ahead and get back to another Super Bowl. That's why this one was so important. And you better believe that what they're going to do next year for the draft is they're going to go ahead and they're going to draft a bunch of offensive linemen. Because it was blatant, blatant with what ended up happening in the week for the Super Bowl, in the game of the Super Bowl. It was blatant that they really could not protect Joe Burrow. And it was really unfortunate that they couldn't protect Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow was the reason that they were were carrying this game. Especially, you know, the thing is, is that the defense was playing extremely well for who... for for what it was. That defense really came into its own, and I really think that they should visit offensive line, and they should visit corners. I think that's going to be the key. If they can keep that core front four of the Bengals, that can be a dangerous front four. With Joe Burrow, I worry. And I don't worry because it's like, oh, he's going to fizzle out or whatever. No, I worry because he's taking so much punishment that there's a possibility that he could go ahead and end up retiring early. Joe Burrow is one of those talents like an Andrew Luck. You remember Andrew Luck, don't you? Andrew Luck went ahead and he had what, eight seasons in the NFL? And he called it quits? Because he was taking so much punishment that he couldn't, he couldn't do it anymore. He literally had to step away from the game because of how much punishment he was taking from that bad Colts offensive line. Joe Burrow is taking countless amount of punishment. Last year, he tore his ACL because of his offensive line not being able to protect it. This year, he was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL in postseason and regular season. 51-19. Really? Really? You're going to be sacked 70 times in the whole entire NFL season. Come on, man. That's that, that that's not cool. It, it worries me in that instance with Joe Burrow. But the other thing is, too, people went ahead and they were on Twitter and Facebook. I saw a couple of people on Facebook. Went ahead and said that Joe Burrow is overrated. That he is not as good as everybody said he was, and maybe coming out of college you I, I would have gone ahead and been like all right, I see your argument he had a stacked lineup of guys at LSU and he won a national championship with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and that that team had the most NFL ready players on it and I would have gone ahead if last year you went ahead and made that argument and I would have said You know what? I I could agree with you. After this year, no, he ain't overrated. He's not. He's not. The reason why he's not overrated is because he was the reason the Bengals got to the playoffs and won their division. He was the reason that the Bengals ended up going ahead and making it to a Super Bowl. Through all that stuff. Through all what ended up happening, the 19 sacks in the postseason, the 51 sacks in the regular season, Joe Burrow was the reason that the Bengals made it as far as they did and why they ended up doing as well as they did. Eventually, everything started to come together. The defense for the Bengals looked legit. I was a little worried because... Odell Beckham was out there, and we're going to talk about Odell Beckham later on down the line, but it worried me a little bit because it it was like if Joe Burrow did go out in that game like I thought he was going to, which was very scary. Both quarterbacks got hurt, which was absolutely insane. But if Joe Burrow had gone out in that game, I would have given them no shot because who's the backup for the Bengals? Brandon Allen who in the hell is Brandon Allen exactly Brandon Allen is just a guy got drafted out of Arkansas back in 2016 6th round 201st pick originally went to Jacksonville ended up coming to the Bengals what else he done he ended up going ahead and getting a chance to play. 17 completions, 34 attempts, 149 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, not bad. Not terrible. Not great. No, whatever. Ended up playing in the loss against Cleveland. That's when he ended up playing. But you know, I mean he 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 was able to get in there a couple times, but nothing too crazy. Right? Excuse me. Do you honestly want to put that game in Brandon Allen's hands as opposed to Joe Burrow's? I don't think so. So, to go ahead and say Joe Burrow is overrated, if in a few years, like five years, Joe Burrow slips, doesn't perform well, and he has a competent offensive line, one that can actually protect him and he makes it so that he isn't the most sacked quarterback in the league if he has a competent line, like I'll go ahead and I'll say this. Put Joe Burrow in Cleveland. Put Joe Burrow in Cleveland. If Joe Burrow cannot make it to at least the AFC Championship with that group, I will concede Joe Burrow is overrated. He wasn't good enough to do it. But if you were to go ahead and take What they have in Cleveland, what they have in Green Bay, what they have in Tampa Bay. If you were able to give Joe Burrow that offensive line, I can promise you, I promise you that the Bengals win the Super Bowl. At the end of the day, it came down to whose offensive line was going to be better. And unfortunately, Joe Burrow got the short end of the stick and ended up taking a beating at Super Bowl 56. Let's talk about a receiver that made a impact early in the game. And if he didn't go out, then I really think that the score would have been a little different. And by a little, I mean by like maybe a touchdown. Odell Beckham Jr. Ended up coming to the Rams midseason. Kind of took him a little bit to get his speed under him. But once he did... Holy cow, did he take off, right? Odell had three targets in the Super Bowl, ended up catching two of them, 52 yards, scored the first touchdown of the Super Bowl. i you go ahead and you look at the regular season in receiving 44 receptions on 82 targets, 537 yards, and no touchdowns in the regular season. Or, excuse me, five touchdowns in the regular season. I'm sorry. That's my bad. I read the wrong stat. But in the postseason, he scored two of them. 21 of 26, 288 yards, two touchdowns. Of course, coming over from Cleveland, that really goes ahead and helps. I mean, look at what he did against San Francisco. 9 of 11, 113 yards. Granted, he had no touchdowns, but still. Odell Beckham Jr. is in line to go ahead and get either a contract extension from the Rams or go elsewhere to show that he is a number one receiver. Here is where it kind of gets dicey. It is being reported that there is a very, very strong suspicion That Odell Beckham Jr. has a torn ACL after the Super Bowl. If you didn't get a chance to see it, Odell Beckham Jr. goes across the middle. Matthew Stafford hits him. Beckham catches the ball and drops it, and he's on the ground writhing in pain. Now, here's the thing. I went ahead, and I'm going to defend Odell. I went ahead, and I went to social media. Right after that happened. Because I know how Cleveland Browns fans are. I know how they are. Odell went down. You saw all the tweets start butting in. No, that's what Odell gets. Go ahead and you think you can do all this stuff. Hey, you big little crybaby. It's just a little injury. It's not a big... I don't care who you are. I don't care what that player has done to your organization. I don't care if they went ahead and they pulled an Antonio Brown on you and they said, you know what? No, I'm done and just leaked all the team's information and stuff like that. As much hatred as I would have for that player. I never under any circumstance whatsoever want to see a player go down with an injury like that. One that could potentially end a career if not rehabbed properly, I don't want to say I'm a bear fan. I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers go down with a torn ACL. Would it make things easier in the division? Absolutely. But I want to see the highest of levels being played. That's my thing. I want to see everybody at their best. And there are weeks where you don't get your best, but you know what? At the end of the day, as long as you try, that matters to me. And they teach you that when you're little. I don't ever want to see somebody go ahead and get hurt, especially in a big game like that. It's very disheartening. And it's very sad that there are people in Cleveland that went ahead and they were thinking like that. Shame on you. You can't do that. That's not fair. If Baker Mayfield had gone down with the torn ACL, would you have gone ahead and hooped and hollered and, you know, what what, what would you think if a Steeler fan went ahead and said, uh, or not a Steeler fan, Let's, let's try to turn this a different way. Let's turn this a different way. Let's say that Matthew Stafford, after all the time he spent in Detroit, he goes down with an injury, and you see a bunch of Detroit fans going, oh, that's what he gets. That's what he gets for abandoning us. That's not, that's not cool. Matthew Stafford shouldn't have done that. Really? 12 years, and that's how you're going to treat him. Odell tried to make it work in Cleveland, and it just never did. And now we officially got our answer as to what it was, as to what was going on. Sean McVay knew how to work Odell into a system. Kevin Stefanski didn't. Matthew Stafford developed a much better relationship with Odell Beckham Jr. as opposed to Baker Mayfield. The Browns didn't know what to do with Odell Beckham Jr. And The Rams knew exactly what they needed to do with Odell Beckham Jr. So when you look back at this and you say, you know, what's going to happen with Odell? I think that Odell gets a contract. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes ahead and he stays in L.A., he said. It feels like home to him. And if that's the case, if Odell does decide to stay in um, L.A., that's going to be big. Because then you have Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. that you have to worry about, and Cooper Cup's already a massive threat, so how are you going to go ahead and handle him? If you cannot handle Odell Beckham Jr., when you're doubling Cooper Cup, you're just going to have problems. But at the same token, does Odell stay a number two? I think Odell can go ahead and be a number one. But at the end of the day, Odell's going to probably think about what is best for him. And I think what is best for him is to stay in LA, to go ahead and gain some more trust with Matthew Stafford, try to run it back, try to get. His hands on another Super Bowl, one that he can actually participate in fully instead of going out with an injury. I think that Odell Beckham Jr. will stay with the L.A. Rams after contract talks are over. Super Bowl MVP goes to a player that the fans believe went ahead and had the biggest impact on the game. And... For the first time, I disagree with what the fans actually thought as far as who deserved NFL MVP. This year's NFL MVP went 2-1 Cooper Cup. Now, I'm not saying that Cooper Cup was undeserving of the NFL MVP because Lord knows that he deserved it. Against the Bengals, eight receptions, 92 yards, two touchdowns and seven yards rushing the football as well. He was responsible for two of the touchdowns, but let me go ahead and tickle your fancy a little bit. One of the big reasons that the defense for the Rams was so successful and why the offensive line struggled so much was Aaron Donald. Think about this. Aaron Donald's presence alone is somebody who goes ahead and you you have to double-team, maybe even triple-team him to go ahead and have any form of success against the Rams. And for the most part, the Bengals did good in the first half. The second half, it all just blew up. With Aaron Donald, he had the biggest rushes, in the most crucial points, got sacks in the most crucial points, tackles in the most crucial points. Well, yes, Matthew Stafford went ahead and delivered strikes to Cooper Cup that went ahead and essentially, quote-unquote, sealed the game. Aaron Donald was the reason that Joe Burrow could not really get going in the second half. You focus so much attention on Aaron Donald that it freed up Von Miller, it freed up Leonard Floyd, all these different guys, right? So you look at the regular season, Aaron Donald had 38 total solo tackles, 12 and a half sacks, which was tied for seventh in the NFL, and... Four force fumbles, which is tied for seventh in the NFL. He's a top five player in the NFL. When I go ahead and I look at top five players in the NFL, I think of well, I used to think of Tom Brady, but unfortunate. But I used to think Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Donald was also thrown into that mix. When you talk about impact. Aaron Donald, if you do not block him, it's game over. It is game over, period, end of story. And Aaron Donald has a resume that is absolutely unlike any other, right? He is a eight-time Pro Bowler. Mind you, he's been in the league eight years. He is or he was a defensive rookie of the year was all pro first team seven years straight on top of that is considered the greatest football defensive player in nfl history i would go ahead and i would say otherwise but Aaron Donald is now a Super Bowl champion, and there is talks that he will go ahead and he will retire after this Super Bowl win, which I think would be a massive mistake, especially since Aaron Donald is in the prime of his career, and he's only in his eighth year as well. when all is said and done if 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 he were to go ahead and continue with his accolades. Let's say that Aaron Donald gets selected to 10 different Pro Bowls and makes 10 first-team All-Pros. Maybe he adds another Super Bowl ring to his name. You will definitely go ahead and say that Lawrence Taylor is 1A and Aaron Donald is 1B when it comes to players of that caliber. Aaron Donald is a once-in-a-lifetime player that you go ahead and you look at. I got the luxury of going ahead and watching a little bit of Reggie White before he had passed. I never got a chance to see Lawrence Taylor play, but I did go ahead and get the opportunity to see highlights. That's the beauty of the internet. Lawrence Taylor is a amazing individual who he didn't care who you were. He was going to run you over and he was gonna make sure you felt it. And Aaron Donald, he doesn't care who you are. He's going to get you. For a big man, he's relatively quick. And I think that when all is said and done, like I said, you will view Lawrence Taylor as a 1A and Aaron Donald as a 1B. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Aaron Donald should have won MVP for the reasons that he went ahead and had all these big plays that went ahead and happened when they needed to happen. The last play for the Bengals when he went ahead and got to Joe Burrow and Burrow had to throw it away when they had a third and one and the running back pretty much had a clear lane and Donald grabbed him by his, by his jersey and refused to let go. He was not letting him go anywhere. Donald went ahead and got sacks on a third and one as well. To go ahead and force the Bengals to kick a field goal after a Matt Stafford interception. Key moments like that are what should have won Aaron Donald the NFL MVP. Again, a congratulations to Cooper Cup. You were very well deserving of it. You played outstanding props to you. But if I had it my way, it would have been Aaron Donald, Super Bowl MVP from Super Bowl 56 let's have some fun shall we you know how college goes ahead and does their way too early ap top 25 well i'm going to go ahead and i'm going to do something that i want to see the way too early top 10 for football this is what i think anyway so These are the top 10 teams that I think that are going to be the best when all is said and done come next year, right? And here's the thing that I'm also going to go ahead and say as well. There's situations that are going on with each team that, you know, will be very interesting to see what happens. But without further ado, let's get started at number 10. At number 10, I have the LA Chargers, right? First things first. Fix the defense. It was obvious in the 2021 season that LA's offense was nowhere near the problem, but the defense finished last in third down conversions allowed almost 50% of the time 49.5. They were tied for 29th in points allowed at 27. And on top of that, they were 26th in expected points added, which is a minus 80.49 which also allowed 138.9 yards per game on the ground, which was the third worst in the league and the most that this team has allowed since 2003. Now, toward the end of the season, obviously, LA got better. They almost made a playoff berth. In three primetime games, they ended up holding opponents to 63 yards rushing. But you've got to do something this offseason with the L.A. Chargers and that defense because, quite frankly, I think that the offense is good enough to win you some football games. You get that defense right. you got a dangerous team ahead of you. Now, I want to go ahead and real quick, let me just throw out a couple honorable mentions, a couple honorable mentions. First one I want to throw out is Arizona. I want to throw out Arizona out there. The reason being is because I think that if Arizona can prevent a second-half collapse to their season – They could go ahead and start terrorizing everybody on top of that with everything that's going on with Kyler Murray. They need to be really careful with him. The other one is the Indianapolis Colts, and it all comes down to what happens with the quarterback position. If Carson Wentz comes back as a starter, I'm very concerned. But if they can manage to go ahead and get somebody in there that will – take them to another level who knows let's say let's say Aaron Rodgers goes to the Indianapolis Colts that would be nope it's that's game that's game over I pick the Colts to win that division then you know what I mean so those are just a couple honorable mentions anyways let's get on to number nine and that's the New England Patriots the Patriots need to build around Mac Jones bottom line give him a number one option get him a guy in the draft that can be a number one or better yet go after Devonte adams if you really want the Bengals need a number one or not the Bengals. the patriots need a number one option like the Bengals did for joe burrow with jamar chase on top of that you go ahead and you fix your defense you know then then everything goes ahead and is fine by the way also work on special teams if you get all those right New England is a force to be reckoned with. You started to see it toward the end of the year. Dallas. Dallas is somebody who I struggle with here and there. I I have a lot of respect for Dallas, but not so much. Um, I, I have respect for their franchise, but I hate the owner and the way that the Cowboys are acting and all that stuff like that, too. So, Mike McCarthy is now in the hot seat. You know, he ended up finishing 12-5 and and won the NFC East, which isn't saying much because it's considered the NFC least. What the Cowboys didn't do in 2021 was win at least one playoff game. Now, Dan Quinn went ahead and said, hey, I'll stay with the team to go ahead and maybe um, get this defense even better than what it was. But in reality, he's waiting for a head coaching job with the Dallas Cowboys, let's be honest. Excuse me. So for the Cowboys to take a step under McCarthy, the offense has to get better. I know that they were number one in yards and points this past season. However, they're hollow when you really look at them. Because Dak didn't play well in a lot of those games, and they were playing from, there were a couple of games that they played from behind, and Dak just went ahead and padded his stats, essentially. So Mike McCarthy's expertise on the offensive side of the ball, he'll need to get back to the run game. And on top of that, he'll have to kind of get a little better with Kellen Moore if things aren't going well. Now, number seven, I got Tennessee. Tennessee went ahead and also finished 12 and 5, got bounced in their first round against the Cincinnati Bengals. Ryan Tannehill threw an interception that ended their season, that won the game for the Bengals, that went ahead and set up the game-winning field goal to McPherson. So the Titans are committed to Tannehill as their quarterback for next year. Excuse me. And Vrabel has also gone on record in saying that, you know, the Titans have to play great around Tannehill which means that they'll need to add playmakers on offense. Now, Tannehill also has A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. But getting a slot receiver and a threatening tight end, holy crap. You talk about like one of the best best offenses in the league with A.J. Uh, AJ Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, a really, really good tight end and a really, really good slot receiver, game over. It's game over for them. So you have to be great around Ryan Tannehill. At number six, San Francisco. San Francisco went ahead and made it all the way to the NFC Championship game. Now all the signs are pointing to Trey Lance, the guy that they took in the 2020, uh, one NFL Draft to get him ready and have him move into the starting quarterback position in the offseason. That means the Niners have to make moves – to get him set up for success maximize anything that you can get with the Jimmy G trade you know you're going to trade Jimmy G keep key players like Lakin Tomlinson he's a guard and then give Trey Lance a plan on what to work on when he's away from the facility he made two starts this last season and there are no guarantees on how he's going to fare as a full-time starter but This is now the time that the Niners need to go ahead and do what they can to make this an easy transition and make sure that Trey Lance is ready for the future of the San Francisco 49ers. Now, number five. (laughs) You're going to be surprised. Number five, Cincinnati. You could probably go ahead and make the argument that Cincinnati got really lucky In the AFC. But I think that it's more to that. And it's because of Joe Burrow. To say the least. In three words. Protect Joe Burrow. The Bengals ranked near the bottom. in pass block win rate. Which by the way. In the Super Bowl. Their linemen had a 14% pass block win rate. Which is the worst of any team all season. In any game by the way. And of course they waited to the Super Bowl to do it. Cincinnati was 30th in 2021, which has become apparent when the Bengals entered the postseason and Burrow got sacked nine times in Tennessee and then seven in the Super Bowl. So, will Jackson Carmen finally get into the starting spot? Now, Jackson Carmen was a guy that came out of Clemson and the snaps that he went ahead and took with Kansas City. He played very well, in, and Joe Burrow only got sacked one time that game, by the way. So is he going to go ahead and start in the 2021 season? And on top of that, will they re-sign Riley Gray after a one-year deal? So whatever you need to do, the Bengals need to find the right one, and I think that this draft, they go after an offensive lineman. Now, number four. (laughs) Number four is the L.A. Rams. Run it back. That's it. Run it back. It's easier said than done. The Bucs tried to do it, and they they couldn't. But look no further than the 2018 season when they came off the Super Bowl 53 game only to turn around and miss the playoffs in 2019. With the core of stars scheduled to return, that includes Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, the foundation itself is still... Solid. Rams COO Kevin Demoff recently said that, "quote, for us to reach the pinnacle of the fandom in Los Angeles, think Dodgers and Lakers. We have to be great season after season, after decade after decade." End quote. Which means no off season of setbacks, and you can only grow and focus. On getting to the Super Bowl the next season. That's it. That's the bottom line. Number three is the Green Bay Packers. Now, I'm only doing this at number three. Based on Aaron is coming back to Green Bay. And Devontae Adams is back in Green Bay. If that is the case, Green Bay is number three for me. Their whole offseason hinges on whether Aaron is coming back. Or if he doesn't. And if he does come back, more than likely Devontae Adams comes back. If he doesn't, more than likely they lose Devontae Adams. As many key players as possible are needed to go ahead and make this thing run like a fine oil machine. They're currently projected to be nearly $50 million over the cap, which is going to take some creative accounting and a few future cap years to go ahead and make something work for another Super Bowl run with Aaron Rodgers. If he's gone... Then you're in a rebuild, and it may take a while to go ahead and get it right with them. Packers have already stated that they are willing to throw everything they can at Rodgers. So does that mean he gets a actual competent number two? We will see now. Speaking of number two, the Buffalo Bills. You have to take care of problem areas. For example, there, there's not going to be real dramatic changes this offseason, but a lot of the roster is set to return and now they have to go ahead and try and find a new offensive coordinator since Brian Dayball went ahead and took the head coaching job for the New York Giants. Instead, it the focus needs to be on adding key components like corner and more speed at receiver. So the more you can help Josh Allen, the better everything is going to be. And I think that corners are the weakest link with the defense of the uh, Buffalo Bills. If they can get those right, perfect. Number one shouldn't really come as a surprise, but it's the Kansas City Chiefs. The main thing the Chiefs need to do is go ahead and get the rush correct. The Chiefs went from 11th in sacks in their Super Bowl in 2019 to 19th in 2020 down to 29th in this past season. So they are never going to get the defensive consistency that they ended up wanting without turning around this trend, you know? So the Chiefs have to rebuild around Chris Jones, but Melvin Ingram, the third, and Jaron Reed – Are very big free agents, while Frank Clark's contract may be a bit too expensive for the Chiefs to go ahead and say, yeah, we'll give you the money, some solutions are going to have to be put into play by improving the pass rush uh, for the Chiefs. So the way that it works, the way I would go ahead and rank this, number 10, the L.A. Chargers. Number 9, the New England Patriots. Number 8, the Dallas Cowboys. Not seven, the Tennessee Titans, six, San Francisco, five, Cincinnati, four, the LA Rams, three, Green Bay Packers, two, Buffalo Bills, and the number one team I'm looking forward to and my Super Bowl favorite way too early are the Kansas City Chiefs. All with that said, that is the podcast. If you like what you heard, please feel free to subscribe. Make sure you hit the notification button so you never miss another episode. Enjoy your Tuesday. I'll see you again on Thursday. The NFL season has officially concluded. We will be on watch during free agency, of course. But that doesn't mean that there aren't more sports around the corner. With that said, enjoy your Tuesday. And as always, I will see you on the other side.